Um, I wonder what it is. Every, every Sunday, there's probably a different thing that you maybe look forward to about coming to church. Maybe for you, it's that opportunity to celebrate, whether uh, it's maybe that opportunity to be in community together. I have to be honest with you, from about the middle of this week, I've been looking forward to church for one reason, confession. I broke the law this week. It happened on Tuesday. Sergey, is this being recorded? It is, right. We'll edit this bit out, so we will. On Tuesday of this week, I broke the law. Yes, <laughs> plead the fifth, does that work, does that work? Um, so on Tuesday, I'd come back from Ethiopia on Sunday, so to set a bit of context, I was tired. I wasn't my normal self. Laura had just arrived back from summer madness. She was tired, she wasn't her normal self. Our kids were tired. And Karis turned around and said, Daddy, can we use the paddling pool? Now, normally, I, as a God-fearing Christian, would never want to break the law of the land. But I went out and I blew up the paddling pool and I got the hose and I set it in and I filled it up with like the tiniest little bit of water. Karis came out to see it and she went, what is this? She was not happy at all. I brought her into the house. I was like, pet, listen, your daddy has broken the law to make this happen for you. We're not meant to have water turned on at all outside. So this is a big thing. So you've just got to enjoy it and you've got to keep it hush. Karis, five minutes later, is in our back garden going, woohoo, water, paddling pool. I'm waiting for NI water to turn up and be like, excuse me, Mr. Farrell, knocking the door. Now, I was reciting this story to someone who, for more legal reasons, should remain nameless, uh, namely my father-in-law, uh, this week. And we were chatting about it, and he said, yeah, he's like, you know what, Johnny? I came up with a great way around it. I was like, all right. He said, yeah, I just stuck the hose in the wheelie bin. And I filled the wheelie bin up, and now I just fill my water up from the wheelie bin, so I'm not technically using the hose, and I go around and I water my plants that way. And I thought, what an incredible adventure in missing the point is that? 240 liters of water sitting in your wheelie bin outside. Um, this morning, we're going to think a little bit um, about an incredible adventure in missing the point. It happens uh, in Luke chapter 9. To give you a bit of context for what all is happening, in Luke chapter 9, so far in the chapter, this has happened. Jesus has miraculously fed 5,000 people. Peter has declared him to be the Messiah. Jesus has predicted his death at Calvary. He's then transfigured and meets with Moses and Elijah. And then he heals a demon-possessed boy, right? That's a lot that's happening in one chapter of the Bible. And then after all of that, in verse 46, we read these words. An argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. How amazing is that? That is like, it's the equivalent of me, Steve Fugard, Sergi, and Rory McElroy all being in a room together. And me, Steve, and Sergi are going, like, one of us has got to be the best in the world of golf. Like, don't we? You're just completely missing the point. It's obvious who the greatest in the world of golf is. It's me. Um, and so here the disciples seem to be completely missing the point. And most Bible commentators will assume that that's exactly what's going on here. That they have gone on another adventure in thinking about themselves and not thinking about the big picture. Um, but, but I think they're wrong. And that 
probably makes me wrong, so feel free to disregard anything I say this morning. But um, what I think that's happening here is that the disciples, they've been journeying with Jesus. They've been seeing him do, say incredible things. And sometimes when you surround yourself with greatness, you are inspired by greatness. And so I think what's happening here is with the backdrop of everything that Jesus is doing, the disciples have a desire to live their greatest life. They want to be able to do the things that God has equipped them for. I'll give you an example. Maybe you've been at a concert and you've gone and you've seen your favorite band play and you think, yes, I am going to dig that guitar out at home. I am going to go and I am going to practice as hard as I possibly can. And then you get home and realize you only know three chords, but there's three pretty good chords. Or maybe you're watching MasterChef or something like that on TV. And you're sitting and you're thinking, you know what? I have that in me. I am going to make this the greatest cheese toasty the world has ever seen. Because when we surround ourselves with greatness, we are inspired to greatness. And so I think that's what's happening here for the disciples. That they're seeing Jesus living out what it means to live a life of impact and legacy. And they want to be part of that story. That's the story that they want to tell. And so the other reason why I think that, that Jesus uh, or that the disciples are not misplaced in desiring greatness is this. Jesus doesn't rebuke them. So often the disciples kind of miss the point and Jesus speaks up and goes, hang on a minute, guys. You're a little bit off topic here. And yet in this moment, Jesus doesn't rebuke them. He actually encourages them. And so I want us to think a little bit this morning about this idea of, of living our greatest life of what it looks like to live a life that is marked by greatness. And there's a few things that we can do. One is that we can simply receive greatness the way the world defines it. We live in a world where everybody is constantly thinking about themselves. How they can use their time, their ability, their money, their possessions to, to amplify themselves. There's a brilliant story in Greek mythology uh, about a guy called Narcissus. You've probably heard it before. Uh, he wanders along, and he's, as he wanders along, he spots a pool, and he looks down into the pool, and he sees his own reflection, and he thinks, wow, that is beautiful. That is incredible. That is the most stunning thing I've ever seen. And we're told that he stands there and stands there and stands there, and then he dies. <laughs> That's it. And we get this term narcissism from it, that we're so caught up and, and drawn into our own story that we fail to see anything going on around us. And so if we simply receive the definition of greatness that the world gives us, then we'll live a life that is, is simply focused on us. We'll live a life that falls far short of the great story that God invites us to be part of. And so I guess the other option is this, is we can just reject greatness and go, actually, no, I'm, I'm quite happy to settle for average because that's the more Christian thing to do. I don't want it to be about my pride or my ambition, and, and yet we put pride and ambition in the same category, and they're very different. See, God doesn't want us to live prideful lives, but he does want us to live ambitious lives. And so for us, if we simply reject this idea of greatness, if we simply set it off and, and put it behind us and go, no, I'm, I'm okay with mediocre, then actually the world is sold short uh, of what we have to offer. The kingdom is sold short of the gifts and the talents and the abilities that we have. We as Christians 
should desire to have a great marriage. We should desire to be great parents. We should desire to be the greatest friends that we can be. We should desire to have a great impact in our workplace and our communities. Desiring greatness is not a bad thing. Let me give you another example. If I was to need a surgeon right now, who would I want? Would I want the guy who's pretty average, who's okay with mediocre, who gives everything a a 50-50 chance in life? Or would I want the guy who turns up on a motorbike in leathers and all the rest and walks in looking like a rock star, who's unbelievably confident? I would want that guy because for his life, he has desired greatness. He has desired to make an impact. And so for us as Christians, then it comes down to this. Can we redeem greatness? And it's into this moment that Jesus doesn't rebuke the disciples, but he brings an example of what does it mean to live your greatest life? What does it mean to live a life that is truly marked by greatness? He pulls a child into the conversation at this point, which is a very unusual thing to do. Um, Children in the ancient Near East, they wouldn't have been uh, highly sought after. They weren't even taught the Torah until they were 12 years old. And and in the Talmud, it says this. uh, One rabbi says, Morning sleep, midday wine, and chattering with children, tarrying in places where men of the common people assemble, destroy a man. Spending time with kids destroys a man. And yet, Jesus pulls this child in. And you'll see up on the screen here uh, exactly what he goes on to say. He says this, Whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you who is the greatest. Jesus is talking about spending time with those people who otherwise wouldn't be our normal first choice. He's talking about creating space to bring people in, to see people and their potential, to see the fingerprints of the Father in their lives, and then to spend time calling that out in the lives of others. And he does it through drawing a child into the conversation. He wants us to be people who serve. The true path to greatness is to lay ourselves down, is to realize that actually we are stepping into the greatest story that is told by the greatest storyteller. And he wants our lives to have the greatest impact in that story, but not for us, for the sake of others, that we might serve, that we might bring love and mercy and compassion into the lives of other people. I want to give you an example to try and tie this all together this morning. A little photograph will come up on the screen. Uh, This guy here is is called Adana. Uh, Last week, I spent all week uh, in a little town called Bokaji in Ethiopia. Most of you will have heard me talk about it before. It feels like second home to me. Um, And Adana has just started in our school in Stand By Me. Um, He's in kindergarten. He's one of the youngest kids that we have. And all week, he just kind of attached himself to me. Anytime I walked out of our guest house, he was there. Anytime we were doing activities, he was sitting at my table. Anytime we were playing sports, he wanted to be in my team. Why wouldn't you? I'm brilliant at sport. (laughs) And so Adana, he spends all week following me around. And we just have this amazing opportunity to love and care for and bless the kids that we spent time with. And on Friday, we had an amazing privilege of of giving beds to families. And little did I realize at the start of the week that Adana's family was going to be one of the families that would get a bed. So on Friday morning, I get up, I have my breakfast, I walk out, and Adana goes, you have to come and meet my mother. 
And I went, right, okay, I'll, I'll come and meet your mother. And so we walked down to where this lady was sitting. And instantly I thought to myself, you look very old to be his mother. I don't mean that offensively. She just looked very old. And as I looked at her, I thought, there's something I'm missing here. But I was introduced to him as, as his mother, and that was fine. I said, he's a great boy. He's a brilliant boy. We'll help him. We'll encourage him. We'll support him in all the ways we can. And fast forward about 20 minutes later, and we have all these horse and carts sitting, and we have all these beds ready to go, and Danny asks me to, to share a few words. And so we explain to families, we've done something small simply to serve you. We've done something small simply to make an impact on your life. We've done it because we love you and care for, for you, but we've done it because God loves you and cares for you. This is a small act of service. At which point, Adana's mother speaks up, and she says this in front of a crowd of 80 or 90 people. She says, Adana is not my son. She said, he's my grandson. His mom left him three years ago and is remarried. His dad took his own life. And then she said this. She said, I've worried every day about what will happen to him when he dies, or when, when I die. Sorry. And, and then she went on to say this. She said, but from today, I don't need to worry because I've seen that he has a father and a mother because of how you care for him. What a phenomenal opportunity to simply step in and serve the last, the lost, and the least, not realizing the impact that that might have on an individual, on a family, on a community. And for each of us, there are children, there are people who are overlooked, there are people who are downtrodden in our lives and our community. And this week, as we step out, we have an opportunity to simply serve, to simply go and take this message, the greatest story that's ever been told, and to live our greatest lives as we lay our own lives down and serve the King and see his kingdom established. And it might seem like you've just done a little thing. It might just feel like you've played with a kid or made a bed or grabbed coffee with someone, but we can never undermine the small things because from the smallest things, God grows his greatest things. And so for us, I want to encourage us as we step into the summer, as we step into a different pace of life, to not overlook those little opportunities, to not overlook the people that Jesus might just bring into the middle of our circumstance and setting. And go, here is someone that you can love. Here is someone that you can serve. Here is a way that you can live your greatest life. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you care for us. We thank you that you sent Jesus to show us that. That you stepped into the brokenness of this world because you wanted to bring healing and restoration. God, we thank you that, uh, that as your son came, as he lived and died and as he rose again, God, that he invited us to play our part in this incredible story that is playing out before us. God, help us to see the opportunities that you give us. Help us not to, to undermine or, or undervalue our talents or our gifts or our abilities. God, this week as we step into to work or holiday or onto the beach or onto a plane, wherever we find ourselves, God, would you help us to keep our eyes open to the people that you might bring into our path? people that we can simply humbly serve and honor. And God, as we do that, that we can point people to a Father in heaven 
who loves them and cares for them. God, would you equip us with the courage that we need to do this. In Jesus' name we pray.